Every day, 365 million pounds of surplus food is wasted in America, while 50 million Americans struggle with hunger. So here's the thing. There is enough food to go around. What's lacking is an efficient way to connect food waste with food need. Until now. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs and other change makers impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. On this episode, we speak with Komal Ahmed, founder and CEO of Copia, a tech-enabled food recovery company that instantly matches surplus food with those in need. She speaks with me about how her innovative platform is creating a more equitable food system and about her mission to solve world hunger. My name is Komal Ahmed. I am the founder and CEO of Copia. And Copia began for me a few years ago when I was a student at Berkeley. And I encountered a a homeless man begging for food. And something about him compelled me to stop and invite him to join me for lunch. And during lunch, he sat across from me just scarfing down his food. So he was unbelievably hungry. It wasn't, you know, a ploy or anything. And in between bites, he shared a story. He said, my name is John. I just came back from my second tour in Iraq. I've been waiting weeks for my VA benefits to kick in. And because they haven't, you know, I haven't eaten in three days. Wow. And that really hit home for me. I mean, this is a veteran. It doesn't matter what your politics are. This person gave the most selfless sacrifice for our country only to come home to face yet another battle, that of hunger and homelessness. Mm -hmm. And then adding insult to injury right across the street, Berkeley's dining hall is throwing away thousands of pounds of perfectly edible food. And so it's this very stark reality of those who have and waste and those who are in need and starve and those two people right across the street from one another. And what I realized is this is emblematic of a much larger problem, and that's that every single day in America, over... 365 million pounds of perfectly edible food is wasted, while one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. So clearly, this is not a lack of food that's the issue. It's just an inefficient distribution of that food. Mm. Hunger is not a scarcity problem. It's a logistics problem. And it was that logistics problem that I essentially have gone on to solve. And, you know, after I met with John, I marched right up to our dining hall and I asked our dining hall managers, what do they do with their excess food? And they said, well, we try not to have any. And I was like, okay, well, how often does that actually work out? (laughs) And after a lot of like trying to skirt the issue, they finally admitted that, yes, uh, they do have actually excess food, but they have to throw it away. And so I asked the obvious question, why would you throw it away when you could go literally across the street and donate it to people in People's Park? And they said, because of liability, we don't do that. And I was like, yeah, you know, homeless people's high-powered attorneys are standing by just to sue you. especially for donating quinoa salad and sourdough focaccia. Come on. And um, and I just thought it was like such a ridiculous excuse. You were going to sell this food to us 10 minutes ago, and now it's not good enough for people to eat who actually right. need it. Right. And I wasn't really going to take no for an answer. And so I went online and I found out that Congress had passed in 1996 uh, something called the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act. Mm-hmm. And it essentially protects all donors, regardless of whether you're a corporation, organization, or any or an individual, from any liability when you're donating food. It also puts – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say for any liability at all? Is there any exceptions? or is there... uh, Except for cases of gross negligence. So okay. if you're about okay. to donate milk um, – 
and you've left it in your car for six hours in Las Vegas summer in July right. and you try to donate that. Yeah, that's cases of gross negligence. Okay. okay. But I also found out that since uh, 1996, so since it's been two decades, the number of lawsuits or legal claims that have been filed against any individual or business has been zero. Wow. And so your second cousin twice removed, you know, who has a hotel that got shut down because of they donated food. I mean, that's just not true. Um, and so, you know, I printed this out. I took it to the executive director and I said, you know, we have to start a donation program. It's the right thing to do. He, we are going to be protected. And, you know, I can be pretty persistent when I want to be. And um, within seven minutes, he agreed. And he was like, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so we started the nation's first food recovery organization on a college campus. Um, and it was essentially a student-powered food recovery movement. So we're recovering food from our dining halls, our on-campus events, our stadium, our arena, and then redistributing it directly to our communities in need. And it was an incredible start, yep. hugely inefficient. One day I'm sitting in class and our dining hall manager called me and he said, hey, Como, like, no one came to this event. We have 500 gourmet sandwiches left over. They need to be picked up in two hours. Otherwise, we're going to have to throw them away. We need the fridge space. And he's like, do you want them? And I was like, yeah, of course I want them. <laughs> Mind you, I'm still sitting in class. And so I grab my bag. I dash across campus. I jump into a zip car because I don't have a car at the time. Go through all the one-way streets um, up to our loading dock. <laughs> and I'm loading this food into my car. And it's perishable food, so it needs to move as quickly as humanly possible. Right. And so I'm frantically trying to, like, get as many boxes into my trunk as possible. And uh, finally, I slam my trunk shut. And I, I'm like, you know, this is such great food, prepackaged, ready to go. Of course, there's going to be nonprofits that want it. And so I proceed to call 30 plus nonprofits. A third of them don't answer the phone. A third of them say, no, we're okay for today. We don't need any food. And the last third are like, yeah, you know, actually we could use 10 sandwiches or 15 sandwiches. Mm -hmm. I'm like, awesome. Now I have 475 sandwiches. And I'm quite literally on the side of the road, so frustrated. I'm like, why is it so hard to do a good thing? Why is it so hard to do the right thing? And where are all the hungry people at when I actually have amazing food to give? <laughs> and I tried to extend my zip car reservation because I still have 475 sandwiches in my trunk. And I couldn't because someone had already booked it for right after. Oh, my God. So I um, – That's quite a day. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, no, no good deed. I said, that's fine. The next yeah. person's just going to have 475 sandwiches. <laughs> Um, but I remember thinking, you know, how much more effective and fluid this whole process would be if those who have food could say, Hey, we have food. And those in need of food could say, Hey, we could use that food. Yeah. We could match these two people instantly and clear the marketplace. Right. And that's essentially what we've built. Um, Copia allows businesses, event organizers to request pickups of their surplus food. And then we, uh, connect that food Our our algorithm will match that exact amount and type of food to the nearest nonprofit or nonprofits that need it at that day, at that time and that quantity. And it'll dispatch one of our food heroes who are professional food handlers to go pick up this food. Mm. And then, um, as a full circle, we'll provide the food providers with photos and testimonials from the people that were fed. So they get to see the impact that they made by spending less than two minutes of their time, essentially going copia. And we also provide data and analytics that help them reduce this future food waste along with receipts for enhanced tax deductions. So basically making this entire process both economically and environmentally efficient. Efficiency being the key word here. I mean, you took something that was not working so well with a great idea, though, and good intentions, and uh, you made it work, or so it seems so far. How long has this been going for? 
Uh, six years. Six years. Okay, that's cool. Six years. Um, so let me ask you a question. So uh, you're doing I, one thing that I, I noticed when I was looking at your site is this is this um, focus on on well efficiency of course, but through technology, is there are there other organizations doing similar thing than you're doing it just a bit better because of this um, focus and emphasis on technology? Is that a big part of it? Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't invent the concept of food recovery. No. We just put, you know, technology behind it. We believe that humanitarianism needs to meet modern day technology. And that is what makes this entire process more efficient and effective. And also the idea is, you know, we're not a nonprofit. We are built to solve both hunger and food waste at scale. And the idea that, you know, we say we're solving the world's dumbest problem, you know, in a world with so much technology, so much innovation, so much abundance, issues like hunger shouldn't exist, especially when we waste three times as much food as there are mouths to feed. And so, um, you know, that, that is really, we didn't want to be local. We didn't want to just have localized impact. We want to have global impact. And that is only possible as, you know, by creating an enterprise that benefits that where aligned incentives are across the board and nobody loses just because you win. That was going to be my next question. How, why, how you decided to, um, create a for-profit Some people would have done it as a nonprofit, other people, but more and more people, social entrepreneurs are, um, turning to for-profit, um, ventures to, to solve those issues and to, as you said, create a more efficient and scalable, um, business that has potential for, uh, global, um, growth and, and impact. And so, um, right now, where, where are you based? We are in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are across 40 cities, and now we are expanding into L.A. and Austin and a few other cities and hopefully, you know, across the country within the next year or so. That's great. So that is definitely scaling is happening. Uh, is there – are you um, – it's not a franchise model. You're, you're, you, the central base will remain where you are, and you're just uh, expanding out. Is that correct? Uh, TBD. I mean, ah, I think there's a franchise okay. model possibility. Interesting. Okay. There's definitely um, there's definitely opportunity for other pre-existing food recovery organizations to possibly use our technology to help streamline their own efficiency, ah. and that way scales impact even faster. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So let's say I ask you what now that you're celebrating. What did you say? Five, six years in uh, mm-hmm. in business. Yep. What would you hope to see? For the next five years or even two years, where do you hope to to be um, taking over the entire U.S.? Yes, you know, it's like Pinky in the brain. It's like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> Take over the world. <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've received over 60,000 requests for global expansion from as far and wide as uh, senior government officials in Germany and Austria who want to use our platform and our technology to help redistribute food and other resources to the Syrian migrants. Mm. I mean, that's a use case I could never have possibly fathomed, you know, when I was a senior in college. And now those are the possibilities. You think about disaster relief, you think about um, just just matching different resources. I mean, you, um, you... Think about we're redistributing the most perishable resource there is, which is food. Mm. Uh, but once we figure that how to do that at scale, we could redistribute books, clothing, medicine, medical supplies, anything, because it's not a lack of resource. It's just an inefficient distribution of that resource. Right, right. And you seem to have tackled that. So um, 
what I mean, so let's say I just want to make sure everyone understands who's who's listening, how it actually works. So let's say I am. Um, would I be a, a food supplier or would I be a nonprofit that would connect with you first or could it be either? Yeah. So, I mean, you can request pickups of your surplus food. So it, I mean, it's usually food management companies, grocery stores, uh, corporate cafeterias, so larger volumes of food. So it's not necessarily coming from your, you know, kitchen at home. It's, it's, it's something a little bit bigger, catering companies, et cetera. Okay. And that amount of food, that type of food, um, you know, you'll say this is the smallest size vehicle that I could fit into. Uh, we need it picked up at this day at this time. And then all of this information is then, you know, sent to this virtual marketplace and our algorithm will match that exact amount and type of food to the nearest nonprofit that could accept it at that day, at that time, in that quantity. Okay. And uh, that's how the algorithm essentially um, matches Okay. Okay. Perfect. I just wanted to make sure everyone understood that. And just one other thing I wanted to address was the challenges. What What are your the biggest challenges that you're facing on a day to day basis at this point? I mean, you you're, you want to solve this quickly, right? I mean, you would think if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have been like, oh yeah, totally, it would have been solved by now. Yeah. And so you get into the nitty gritty, and you're like, there's a reason why this hasn't been solved already. And, uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to create some sort of model where we can help replicate this far quicker. And I don't think that model will be uniform, how we operate in middle America, uh, versus New York city versus San Francisco versus Toronto versus mm. Hong Kong versus, you know, London, they're all going to be different models. But if there's some way for us to really identify what are the, the necessities and how do we duplicate these uh, without having to duplicate these efforts, but expand these model. Um, I mean, that's the goal, right? Is how do we operationalize this so that it's easily implemented? Yes. And your business model at this point is, is what, how would you describe your business model? Yeah. So businesses pay us to pick up their food. It ends up being, let's say you had an event, a thousand person, you're donating a thousand pounds of food. It would essentially cost you less than $250. So a quarter pound of food. Okay. And they can do it at one off and they can also get to sign up for ongoing uh, type of service as well. Yeah, that's the goal for them to, <laughs> okay. to do that because they also get not only a discounted rate, but they also get all of the other benefits, right? The data and analytics on how do you reduce this future overpurchasing production, um, you know, over time. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. So and right now, how many, you said you're in so many X number of cities, how many um, like customers right now can you, is it, how many can you say you have at this point, ongoing customers? Yeah, we have our over, you know, 100 plus uh, organizations that receive food and also um, 100 plus that actually give food away too. Oh, okay. So that's great. That's a, that's a nice. As customers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. And your ideal customer are the ones that you have currently? Um, it, it, are you... The ideal customer has food 260 to 365 days a year. Yeah. They are... Uh, you know, giving away high quality foods, so not necessarily popcorn. And they, 
will, you know, are, are able to give that food on a regular basis, essentially a recurring basis. Okay. So okay. ideally every day of the week would be great or, you know, and it doesn't matter what locations they have. Ideally they have multiple locations across the country okay. or world food management companies, Sodexo, Aramarks of the world are, are obviously. Is anything that you wish you had known five years ago, six years ago that you know? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's so many, uh, I think most important of which is to never give up. Yeah. Just keep trying, keep going. Yeah. And keep going. Doesn't matter who's, who doesn't believe in you. It doesn't matter. It could be your parents. It could be your significant other. Or it could be your friends. Um, you know, people, when I first started, they were like, oh, so cute. You want to end world hunger? Like, that's so adorable. <laughs> and now I think six years later, people take it a little bit more seriously. One, yeah. because I'm still doing it, right? It wasn't like a, uh, you know, club activity for me or, or just this, like, side hobby. I mean, eradicating world hunger is not a part-time uh, job. Yeah. Yeah. And keep going despite other what other people might say or uh, their doubts, um, you, you keep doing something that you know is important and you keep at it. Six years later, you are. And so that's, uh, that's, that's very impressive. Um, well, thank you again so, so much for, for speaking with me. Yes, of course. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.